Welcome to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. To get free mentoring services, as well as to see the wide variety of resources available for small businesses, visit our website at www.score.org or call 1-800-634-0245. And now, here's your host, Dennis Zink. Episode number 20, SEO, Search Engine Optimization. Fred Dunnier joins me today in our studio as our co-host, SCORE mentor, and our audio engineer. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Dennis. Our guest today is Scott Ganello. Welcome to Been There, Done That, Scott. Thank you, Dennis. Good morning. Scott Ganello is a consultant, author, and speaker specializing in search engine optimization, also known as SEO. His clientele ranges from small startup businesses to large global companies, such as Victorinox, Swiss Army. Scott's latest book is Common SEO Mistakes, Basic Edition. Scott looks at 25 basic search engine optimization mistakes that can kill your business. His knowledge and ability to explain SEO in non-technical terms to the average website owner is what makes him one of the best SEO consultants in America. Scott, what is SEO? Well, it's search engine optimization is a lot of different things for different people. But basically, it's taking your website and making it more efficient and more optimized so it communicates better to the search engines. Now, there's dozens of ways, hundreds of ways to do that. And, you know, depending on what industry you are, where your location is, what products you're selling, will depend on how you go about optimizing your website. But basically, it's making the website communicate in a way that helps your ranking and your placement on the search engines. And what are algorithms? Well, algorithms are what uh, the search engines use to choose whether your web page is going to show up in the search engine, and if so, where in that search engine results. So the good news is you might make the search engine results. The bad news is you might be on page 500. So algorithms are basically little pieces of code that choose whether your page is usable or not. So it might be, uh, is the content well-written? Is there enough content? Are there links? Are there, you know, pictures? Are the pictures uh, using the proper alt tags? Are there, um, you know, more people going to the site or are they bouncing off that page too quickly? So there's all these different codes that the search engines use to decide where you're going to show up, if you're going to show up. What's an alt tag? So, uh, you know, the ADA requires that all images have an alt tag or alternative text, basically. And what it is, is a description of that image. So the blind in America or around the world have computers that talk to them. So if they hover over that picture, it talks that description that you place in there and tells what it is. It's also very searchable. So if you don't have an alt tag, you're not getting the best of the SEO techniques that you could be using. And why would SEO be important to a business? Well, first and foremost, uh, the top page of, let's say, Google, uh, the search engines, is the best place to market, bar none. The old days of spray and pray with, you know, 100,000 viewers or readerships or whatever, it doesn't work anymore. This here is people are looking for you, and if your page shows up, you're in the game. So, you know, it's important to show up on the top page if you want to succeed in business. Uh, because that's where everyone's going. And how do you get to that top page? A lot of work or practice, practice, practice. Um, Getting to that top page is different for everybody. So the search engines, uh, everything's relative in the search engines. So getting on the top page in, let's say, Sarasota, 
might be easier than getting in the top page of Manhattan for the same product. So it's relative to where you are, who your target market is, what you're selling, what's the competition, what's the baseline for that industry, that location. It's a whole bunch of different things that go into effect about how to get there. Your book, why did you write about the mistakes? I, I talk to a lot of businesses around the world uh, on a regular basis, and I found myself answering the same questions over and over and over. And these are common mistakes that companies make when I you know, review their sites. And they're basic mistakes. These are, these are like the basic 101 you know, mistakes that you shouldn't be making, that everybody should know about, uh, but yet large companies are still making them, even small companies. And it was just easier for me to document these and whittle down from about 100 that I was coming upon all the time and put it in a book that's easy to read and easy to digest. So uh, the 25 basic ones are ones that if you clean them up on your website or if you can identify them and fix them, you're going to see some great results. And it's been proven over and over. What's the number one mistake that you find people making? That's, that's hard to answer because everything is relative. So in Manhattan, it's much different than in Sarasota. But, you know, I've been finding lately, uh, because everybody is now an SEO expert or a web developer, because it's a tough economy and people want to make extra money, and there's no real guidelines for SEO. So it's kind of hard to decide if they're good or not. So what I've been finding with a lot of companies that are paying for SEO is they're missing the most basic tie into the search engines, an XML sitemap. This is when you produce a new page, a new document, a new image, new content, whatever. It notifies the search engines, calls them in, and makes them look at it. And if they like it, they'll index it and throw you into the search engines. This is like an electrician wiring a house but not knowing he has to tie it all into a circuit breaker or a panel. This is, I think, as a base foundation, is one of the key tie-ins is making sure your XML sitemap is working, make sure it's submitted to the search engines, and make sure you're communicating with them every time you do something new. And is that something that the common person, the average person can do, or do they need to have an SEO consultant to figure out what an XML map is and submitting that? Well, again, uh, it depends on their knowledge of the websites. Uh, most softwares these days have a plug-in for the XML sitemap. You need to plug it in, activate it, do a few things, and then it's working. Depending on the software you're using, if you're using WordPress, it's very easy. If you're using Joomla or Drupal, uh, Drupal or some of these other uh, softwares, it's a little bit more difficult. What search engines are the best in, that you've come across? The only one you should really be concerned in is Google. They own more than 70% of the market share globally. It's the number one search engine. And you know, in the work that we do, we look at the search engines coming in, Yahoo might produce, you know, 1%, 2%, Bing, AOL, some of these other smaller ones, 1% at best. So if you can get on Google, which has much higher standards, and get onto the search results there, you're going to get onto the other uh, search engines. So when we do work, we don't really necessarily go uh, too crazy working with the other search engines. We, we do the work, we submit to them, but all of the optimization we do is based for Google. And is Google's market share increasing or kind of staying flat or decreasing? Um, it depends on different markets. Uh, but for the most part, they, they've got a lock on the search engines. And it's, you know, from day to day, it can go up or down. But it's still by far the best place to be. How does someone learn about SEO? That's the challenging part. And the, part of the reason I wrote the book was when you read a book about SEO, you go out and you learn something and you go and you do it to your site. 
The problem is with the 200 algorithms that Google uses, you know, 10% are changing every week. So 20 of those algorithms are brand new each week. So what you read, you know, today that was written three months ago could be totally false now. But I found the mistakes never change. You know, it, it's rare that if you're spamming, that's a mistake that's never going to go away. So it's easier for me to teach people of what not to do uh, initially to get going than it is to try to tell them something that doesn't work today. What kind of scams are there out there? I, you hear a lot about SEO scams. How can you detect that? Well, if somebody uh, emails you out of the blue and says, uh, we can do your SEO, this, this, and that, and you look at their email address and it's a Hotmail account or an AOL or a Gmail or, you know, Yahoo, uh, you know, stay away. If somebody's sending you unsolicited mail, stay away. Uh, you should talk to other businesses that are doing uh, SEO through other companies and find out. You should get multiple uh, quotes, have different companies look at it. Uh, in this day and age, you can literally set up a website, buy a domain, put the website up, and be online within 24 hours or less. It sounds to me like um, it's it's almost the same as website designers. In other words, it, it, you'll get solicited by people, as you mentioned, that are just trying to make a few extra bucks that may not really have the experience that, that's necessary. Would you suggest that you're, you should, when you go to get a website, that you should look for a full-featured firm that includes SEO experts in the web development process. Absolutely. And here's one of the things I see a lot lately. Um, and again, I, I put this back to the economy. We're, most businesses are desperate to survive in this economy. So you've got a lot of scam artists out there that take a, a, a website theme out of the box with Latin so it looks like it's there's what it looks like. Ipsum lorum. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you click on the bottom of the, the client's webpage to see who's doing this, and it's a, a out-of-the-box website with Latin all over it. So obviously they're not a legitimate firm. They look it, and they can act the part, but they're not. So web developers are coming out of the woodwork, Craigslist, all these, you know, emails and, you know, postcards and letters and phone calls. Be careful. I want to get back to, you said that 20, uh, 10% or, or about 20 out of 200 variables are changing on Google every week. So that would mean the whole thing would, would be new in 10 weeks. Is right. That, is that about right? I mean, they must have some of the same ones that are there. Sure. Or and they tweak them? And the, the, how they modify it is, is it could have changed 200 times in 10 weeks, but it's not necessarily going to give you much different results. But part of what Google does is it keeps off companies that don't belong there. So in, in effect, if you're doing something wrong and you don't realize it, you could be hurting yourself without even knowing it. And think of a, an algorithm as some dice, all right? If I give you, if I roll three dice and say, what are the algorithms? Well, it's a number one, a number three, and a number five. It's easy to understand that. But I throw 200 dice and say, okay, What's the numbers? What's the combinations? Oh, and by the way, some are red, some are green, some are white, some are brown, some have letters, some have numbers, some have symbols. And you have to try to figure out what those are. You know, it's almost impossible because as you're getting close, I can flip them 20 more over and it puts you back, you know, from square one. So one algorithm might be, let's just make a very simple example, which is just, you know, false, I'm sure. But Let's say you have blue backgrounds and the dice or the algorithm is for blue backgrounds. That's trending right now. Well, let's say they take that number one, which is blue, and they turn it to number two, which is kind of a grayish blue, right? It's still the same algorithm, but it's just a little tweak to it. Mm -hmm. So they're tweaking these algorithms because they don't want the spam companies to get close to 
understanding what that is. And here's something interesting about the algorithms. Google has different departments. So this department might be uh, in charge of six different algorithms. This department might be having 10, and only those departments know those combinations. So collectively, even Google doesn't know what the full combination is. Sounds very complicated. <laughs> uh, and it's meant to be that way, which is why they're so successful. Wow. So is the idea to have more of those dice theoretically uh, in your site that, you know, the, the, if, if you go from 10 to 20, then you're doing 20 things right? I mean, assuming you get, maybe you're hitting it by luck, but you're getting 20 down that are working well. And then if you go to 30, is that better yet? Is that the Absolutely. idea? And, okay. and here's the deal. We don't know what those algorithms are. We don't know the combination of the dice if we're going to use that example. So Google likes expert sites. So do it right. If you have to look over your shoulders because you've got some trick that you read about online and you're trying to trick the system, you're going to get caught. It's, their, their algorithms are very smart and, and take care of that. What I always talk about is having a good foundation, good communication to them, good quality content. You know, what grade level are you writing at? If you're selling, you know, a sewing kit and you have to have 29 years of college of schooling to understand that, it's probably not good content and you're probably going to lose points for that. So if you have a good foundation, good quality, good images, good content, good examples, good linking to other sites and a whole bunch of other uh, foundational items in your website you're going to do pretty well. It, sound, it reminds me of school. It, Google's kind of the teacher and we're the students and we're trying to pass and uh, a lot of us are failing. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, you could be very successful one day and the algorithms can change and all of a sudden you're off that spot. So, But I think, I think you make a real good point, though, is having that foundation of good information on the website. And, and, it, and it's to service the customers and not to service right. the vendors. And uh, the example I have is I had to buy flooring. And I'm so I'm looking through different websites to see where I can buy flooring. Well, the first item, the, the first listing on Google was a website that taught me all about wood versus laminate versus whatever other materials are made. And I ended up working with them and buying from them. And Google helped me to choose the website to go to because of those algorithms. Right. And Google helps you uh, more and more to the point where you don't even have to really think that hard to find it. You'll notice when you start typing in a, uh, a search, it shows you a bunch of examples of what other people are looking for, what's trending. So you can just kind of click on it and go from there. And you're right. You, you know, people want to be educated. They want quality. They want to be um, clicking on the right expert site. If they had a bunch of scam sites or just junk sites on the top page, uh, well, you'd be Yahoo, Bing, or AOL. Let's talk about social marketing for a moment. Is, is that SEO? You know, part of optimization is driving traffic to your website. And, uh, you know, you could do Craigslist and drive traffic to your website. Technically, that's search engine optimization because they're finding you in the search engine and, it's, and you're optimizing the work that you do to increase traffic on your website. So social marketing, social media, um, when done right, can be very effective. Having said that, I see too many companies running to get on uh, Twitter and Facebook and all these other social media platforms. Uh, places when they really shouldn't, meaning, uh, you know, I have a client in California that, that sells metal. I mean, you know, pallet racking, staging, conveyors, uh, you know, it's not a real sexy product. So having a Facebook page that they demanded they wanted to have a Facebook page, and they had more than 13 employees and family members, and they still couldn't get more than 13 likes on their site. So yes, social media can be very effective depending on 
relative to what you're selling, what your products are, what you're trying to get found for. But not everybody is going to benefit with social media. Do your social media connections, are they involved in any of the algorithms that Google is using? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Google Plus, right? It kind of came out initially to try to compete with Facebook. And that didn't do too well. But if you notice now, at least in today's environment, when you're doing a search, they'll have a link for their Google Plus page, right? Well, we should have a Google Plus page. That's a good way to find out what social marketing and effects you should do or efforts. So you should have a Google Plus page. You should tie it to your Google business page to get on the map, to show up in the search engines on a map and on a results. So what I tell customers is do some searches for your products. If you don't see Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or any of the others, you shouldn't put too much effort in. I'm not saying you don't, you shouldn't do them, but when somebody comes to us with a budget and says, here's my budget, I'm not going to push them down a, a path that's not going to produce for them because I'll lose them as a client. What about YouTube? I've been told that, you know, that's where it's going. You need to have YouTube videos and that'll help you in search. When done correctly, absolutely. Uh, Google is the number one search engine in the world. The number two search engine in the world is YouTube, owned by Google. So a lot of videos are uh, being pulled up on phones and put into social media feeds and uh, put into your embedded into your website. And yes, if you can do some good uh, videos and put them on YouTube, you should have a YouTube channel. And what's nice about that is you can embed the video into your website and have your own commercials or videos or instructional videos or whatever without real weight of a video into your software because it's an embedded code. How does Google know when they're looking at a video with their spiders, uh, their research tools that they use, uh, what it's saying? Because my understanding is that they can't really decipher an audio or a video signal. Do they transcribe those YouTube uh, videos? Well, Google won't tell you or YouTube won't tell you what they do, but if your title is very descriptive and it's what people are looking for, that's one point. If your description has that phrase that people are looking for, that's another point. And, you know, Google can actually read images. So if you have words on your video, there's probably a pretty good chance they're reading that as well. If you look relative to different spaces when you do a Google search, sometimes you'll see video popping up. So in a way to make their search results more pleasing and more expert for everybody, they want to have a nice variety of, of content on that top page for the viewer, they will throw videos in there. So when you see that, look and see what that video is about, how it's titled, what the description is, and try to match that for your industry. What about free websites and SEO? Nothing's free. Uh, they may say it's free. Uh, time is money. And the challenge with the free websites is it's a mass one-size-fits-all, right? You're, you're getting married. The, the bride's not going to buy a one-size-fits-all wedding dress, right? Every business is different. The challenge, I think, right off the bat is visually. You're stuck with a cookie-cutter-style website that doesn't have search engine capabilities or has very limited capabilities because you know that by them saying, oh, you want some help in the search engines? Buy some of these packages and we'll help market you because the site doesn't work. The other challenge I find is when you scroll down to the bottom, you're advertising their web software. Get your free website right here, which tells me when I look at a business, if they don't care about their business enough to do a professional website and they're doing it for free, then their products and prices should be a lot cheaper. So it, it, it 
goes against your brand. It goes against your reputation. And they don't work in the search engines, period. Who in a company should be doing the SEO? If you're going to do it within house, um, and I've talked to large companies. And in fact, when I first met with Swiss Army, I told them flat out, you should have somebody internally doing this. It should be the center of your, your business uh, universe, so to speak. Because when it's done right, it can increase your sales, it increase your traffic, it can increase your, your products. Your, everything gets better when SEO is done right. So if you're going to have somebody within the company do that, you want to make sure you're not hiring somebody, be, somebody because they have a Facebook page or they have a Twitter account and you think that's everything you need to know. What you want to do is find somebody that's part of marketing, uh, that can understand the SEO and maybe send them off for a course or two to fully understand how to do it or bring an SEO company in to train them, coach them, and let them do it. You really should understand that SEO is marketing. Showing up on the top page is better than any paid advertisements you can do. It seems then that perhaps you would want to bring that SEO expert in at the time that you're designing the web page. Absolutely. And a lot of things we find is uh, they go out and they have somebody from Craigslist who can get a free WordPress website, pay $40 for a theme, and put it together together for their company for $500. And they'll say, well, well, we'll get it set up. And then we go in and we have to change it. We have to update it. We have to modify it because it's just out of the box and it's not set up properly. So yeah, it's cheap and you get what you pay for, but it can cost you in the end if it's not done right. And you know, hiring somebody to do SEO in-house can be a good idea if you have a good budget for it. But sometimes working with an SEO company is actually uh, more cost-effective. You're not paying insurance. They don't, you know, they're not calling in sick and vacation days. And you're dealing with a company that does SEO for a living. Without getting into, into your fees, for example, but what should a small business expect to pay for this kind of service? Well, again, relative to their location, their, their industry baseline, the products, the competition, um, what I find is you know, for our company, um, we won't take a job under $500 a month. And each company is different. So at that level, it gives us enough room to do different things to try to get some better results. But anything less than that, you're just treading water. Well, that's interesting. You raise an interesting question. So SEO is not something you do once. It's an ongoing process? Correct. And that's a good point because the way search engines work is with that XML sitemap that we talked about earlier, that calls them back when you do something new. If you're not doing new things on a regular basis, they're not coming back to see you out of sight, out of mind. And Google thinks, if you don't care about your website, why should we? Is there a certain frequency that they're looking for, like a weekly update, a daily update, a monthly update, or does it matter? Uh, It does, and that's relative to the industry. So if your competition is out there doing a blog every three days, you wanna be doing a blog every three days. Do you use any specific templates or software that you, as a base, as a foundation that you build from when you help a customer out? Well, I think, you know, again, in this economy, uh, companies are looking to succeed without spending that much money. And WordPress fits that really well. It's a free software. You do have to know how to tie it in and design it and put all the right tie-ins and and make it look look and work really well. And I do like WordPress. We do other softwares as well, custom software. We can do custom plugins for that software to, to get you some more you know, bang for your buck. But WordPress generally is a good software to go with. Having said that, everyone's a WordPress expert. Go on Craigslist, you can buy somebody's service for $500 and get a website. You know, Just because it's free 
uh, doesn't mean it, it just because it's very powerful doesn't mean it's going to work 100% for you all the time if it's not set up properly. So what makes up the, a team? In other words, for would you want an SEO person and a website developer together? Would you want a third person in there doing something else? How would you develop a team to do SEO and to improve your web presence? There's different companies out there. There are web developing companies that really don't know much about SEO, and they don't want to know SEO. They want to design websites, and they're very good at what they do. And a lot of times we get that business for the SEO because they don't have somebody in the in-house to do that. They don't want to take up the time to do that, and they don't understand it as, as much as they should. Then there's SEO companies that do not build websites. They only do SEO. Once your site's done, you contact them, and then they go through the process. What we do is we build websites that are tied into the SEO market and search engines, and we do SEO with that to maintain it. Or for a lot of companies, we build them the website, set up the way it should be, and then we show them how to use it themselves. Maybe off topic, but is a graphic artist part of that team? It can be. Uh, a lot of companies have their own graphic artists. Uh, you know, on the side, they're, they're doing their logo, their layouts, their, their brochures. We can incorporate that into it. Or we have graphic artists that we work with to design the site that they, lo- that they like. Do the graphics uh, affect the SEO? The graphics help the SEO if they're tagged properly, if the graphic is titled properly so it's searchable because people search for images, right? If, you're, if you're t- your title of your image is a searchable phrase that people are looking for, you can show up, they can click on it, go to the website. So pretty isn't necessarily going to bring in more, more traffic as much as the image is being tagged properly. Correct. The name, the URL, the, the alt tags. And if it's a really bad graphic, here's where the SEO part comes in. Somebody goes to the site and looks at it and says, ooh, looks like a fourth grade uh, you know, science project. And then they bounce out. And that affects your numbers because people go and they leave without seeing your site. So it does have a play in the, the whole scene. Hey, your book is about mistakes. Let's talk about some more mistakes. What would you like to tell our listeners in terms of the biggest mistakes that that people make, maybe what to shy away from or what you'd recommend? You know, I started the book out with a, you know, five of the mistakes titled under attitudes. You know, your attitude about your website, your attitude about SEO. Websites really are and should be the center of your business in today's market because that's what's going to get you on the top page of the search engine where all the money is. So if your attitude is, and I hear this a lot, well, we have a website. Yeah, you know, we don't really, I don't really know a lot about websites. Yeah, you know, it's out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. That's a bad attitude. And that's a huge mistake because your competition is all about, hey, check out our website, check out our specials, check out our, our competition, how we're beating them and all these great things that they can market. So if you have a bad attitude about your website right off the bat, you're probably not going to do that well in the search engines. SEO skepticism is another big thing. People are like, I'm not going to pay to be on the top page. Well, you are. You're going to pay in time. You're going to pay in money. You're going to pay in services of some sort to get there. Uh, Time is money, especially in the business world. So if you know how to get there on your own, we say go for it and we'll help you. If you need that help, we can coach you. But it's important to get there. You have to understand that if you're spending money on TV, radio, or newspaper, or yellow pages, that doesn't work as well as it used to. You're spending a lot of money for nothing. Everything on the web stays forever. I mean, look at all these pictures that surface. They'll be out there forever, right? Once you do an ad, let's say a new page, which could be technically an ad, that's out there forever to be searched. 
So it's a much better investment to do that. It's funny. I was watching an episode of uh, The Profit uh, on CNBC. Well, I highly recommend that show. And one of the business owners was very proud of all the money they've put into print advertising <laughs> and very excited to be in the yellow pages. And Marcus Lemonis, who's the, the host and, and investor, was, was really having a hard time getting through to this business owner. The th times have changed, and that's not where you spend your money anymore. Right. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, uh, you know, the old way was spray and pray. You know, you had to have a huge demographic market and hope that some people are actually, you know, see your ad and hope out of that bunch some of the people actually need your service and hope out of that bunch that somebody actually does something with that little three-by-three three printed ad. It was called broadcast, and then narrow casting is the way it's been going for the last uh, right. several decades. So let's talk about paid ads on online versus organic. Can you comment on that? Sure. You know, when a, when a new site is built and it's not in the search engines just yet, a lot of companies will do AdWords or pay-per-click. And it can be effective for some businesses and not so much for others. Here's the, one of the things. Only one out of seven people will click on an ad those top three or the right-hand column, and now I'm starting to see them at the bottom as well. So only one out of seven will click on them. And here's the dirty little secret. A lot of times it's your competition clicking on it because they know if you have a budget of $20 a day, that might be 12 clicks. And if they click it 12 times and refresh their screen and re-click it, you might be done for the day. So can you get your money back? Sure, if you go through a process and, and request it, and it'll take 30 days to get paid for that day, but you're gone for the day. It's a, is it a good investment for some industries? Yes, it is, but not for all. And what I try to do with those clients is I say, let's put half that budget into SEO and get you found organically, which is one out, uh, uh, seven out of eight people will click organically. You're still paying whether it's pay-per-click or SEO, but you're getting a much better return on your investment. And a lot of our clients will give us a little bit of that budget, let us go to work. And once they see it working, they end up getting rid of that other budget for pay-per-click. So is there a way of knowing that your competition is clicking on your links? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can, uh, in the, the uh, analytics of your AdWords, you can see where they're clicking from, the location, uh, some IP addresses, that type of thing. Yep. So you'd see the same one popping up over and over again. Right. And then you might deduce that it's your competition. Sure, and, and you look at how fast they get, you get clicked off, and you look at um, the bounce rate. They go to your page and leave. They're only on the page for 10 seconds, 3 seconds, you know, those types of things. Wow. Do you get involved with that too uh, in SEO? Like, uh, I don't know what you call it. Is it site mapping where you look and see how long someone stays on a specific or particular page and where they go uh, throughout your site and then make recommendations on the site itself, is that part of SEO or is that something different? So analytics is a huge part of SEO. It basically tells you who's coming in, when they're coming in, how long they're staying, how many pages they're seeing, what's the top landing pages, you know, all this data that you can look at, what phrases they're using to find you, all this information that you can use as marketing, as a way to help market your website better to the audience, to help fine tune it. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, bad uh, search engines that are hitting sites and doing 100% bounce rate. There's one in particular that's that's hitting the sites like 30 times a day with 100% bounce rate. Some companies will say, "Wow, look at your numbers. We got them. They're huge. Look at the. We're getting so many hits a day." But if you look at the analytics, th most of it is not good traffic. So you need to find ways to keep those companies from hitting your site so you have more accurate numbers. 
Obviously, with a book that's got 25 mistakes, we can't cover all of it in, in today's uh, session. But is there one thing you'd like our listeners to come away knowing and remembering? Well, on, on the book, um, I can't say the name of the company, but we fixed just three of the most basic mistakes on there. And it brought a loss of 60,000 visitors a month and turned it into 100,000 new visitors a month. And if you look at the products they sell and the average page use and how many out of that on conservatively, what that relates to dollar-wise, it's probably about $120 million a year for that company. Wow. So if you're looking at three of the most basic mistakes that Google actually tells you you should fix these, and they don't tell you a lot, you think the mistakes aren't that bad? Trust me, you can do a lot better by fixing those mistakes. So Scott, how can uh, our listeners get your book and how can they contact you? Well, um, the book is on uh, Kindle or The Nook, so you can go to Barnes Noble or Amazon.com and download it. Just type in Common SEO Mistakes, or you can search for Scott Ganello, and the book should show up. And you can download it, and you can write a review and you know actually put your website in there in the review of, of what you're what you're reading about and uh, how it affected your site to get some little extra advertising. Scott, can you spell your last name? Sure, it's G O N N. E-L-L-O. Well, thank you, Scott, for enlightening our listeners on SEO. And thank you for being a guest on Been There, Done That. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Fred. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. The opinions of the hosts and guests are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of SCORE. If you would like to hear more podcasts, get a free mentor, view a transcript of this podcast, or would like more information about the services we provide, you can call SCORE at 800-634-0245 or visit our website at www.score.org. Again, that's 800-634-0245 or visit the website at www.score.org.